If you would, open up to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. I would encourage you to take notes. We're going to do a lot of reading this morning, a lot of reading. And I just want to ask some questions to you. Perhaps you'd like to write these down. When is the last time you heard God speak to you? What did he say? And what have you done with that? How have you stewarded the voice of God, the word of God that came to you? How have you stewarded that? I want to talk about believe what God has spoken. Every day, we really are fighting for our faith. Every single day. Faith is what God is after. It's the only thing that pleases him. If, we, if it's not a faith, it's sin. And Satan is always attacking this. Faith is not something we conjure up. It originates in God because faith comes how? Hearing what? So who speaks the word of God? So who originates everything? God. We can only trust and put our faith in what he has said through his word as well as by his spirit as he speaks into our lives. It's, the definition is really simple, but walking it out is very difficult. It's a daily battle. Some people will say, just believe God. What's wrong with you? Just believe God. At that moment in the conversation, it's kind of over because they just don't get it. What do you mean just believe God? Don't you understand it's a battle? Don't you understand it's a fight to exercise faith in God? Don't you know I need him? You don't just do anything in the Christian life. We need God desperately to do anything that pleases him. Most of all, to believe him. We need his strength. That's why Hebrews 11 is so special. Because believing God in the midst and the face of the enemy is hard. It's hard. It's a battle. It's something to be celebrated. So I want to introduce you to a man named Zechariah, the doubting priest. Go to Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says this, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. You know, sometimes we can wonder, why is this coming upon my life? Why can't I have children? Why do I seem to not make as much money and be faced with financial difficulties at times? And you could think, maybe I'm just not living a life pleasing to God. Sure, ask God about that. Let him speak into the situation. Maybe you spend too much money at Chick-fil-A or Amazon. Maybe you need to offload the app, quit seeing all the people with their lives on Instagram, and we won't be stirred to covetousness because we can all be stirred to it. But we see right here that these people live righteous before God. They had faith in God, like Abraham. And yet life was still difficult. It was a shame not to be able to have a child back then. It was a reproach upon the woman not to have a child. Just believe God, you'd say to them. That would be very difficult. They were old. The manner of women, her cycle was long over. There's no baby coming out of this woman anymore. It's just logically not going to happen. It was very difficult for them. But one day something changed. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, he served a two-week. Uh, he served for two weeks a year. He'd go and he'd leave his land that he'd farm and he would go serve the Lord. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And in the temple there was the holiest place, which once a year the high priest would enter into with blood. But right outside of that was called not the holy of holies, but the holy place. This is 
one, just one holy, not holy of holies, but the holy place. There was the showbread, the place where you put showbread. There was the altar for incense. And so this was done. Everyone's waiting outside. He's in there by himself. It's, It's only supposed to take a moment. The fire's there. Drop the incense on it. You're giving worship to God. The whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And would you know, he's just doing his job. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. I would have been troubled. I've never seen an angel. I'm not asking to see an angel. I probably would have a heart attack if I saw an angel. I'd rather hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and read the word than be confronted by an angel. Because when an angel comes, they come with a message. That's actually what the word angel means. It means a messenger. So when they come, they're coming to say something. And that's a very fearful thing. Anytime you look at the Bible, what did that angel come to say? Judgment or promise. But every single time, there was great fear in the person. Sometimes they fall on their faces dead because there is this being before them that is mighty. He was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This man, he had prayed for years for a baby. Probably for a son, because to have a son meant the strength of him would continue. It meant his name would continue. And he wasn't just going to be a baby. He was going to be a very special baby. He was going to be awesome. You're going to have a son. I'm an angel telling you about it. That already means it's very special. He's going to be powerful before the Lord. He's going to have a Nazarite vow on him. You're going to, I'm even telling you his name. He's going to be filled with the spirit. That means the power of God is going to operate through his life. He's going to turn people He's going to, uh, to God, and he's going to have the same anointing as Elijah did. Elijah showed what was the false God and what was the real God. And then finally, after the sacrifices were made in the Old Testament with Elijah, the people said, the Lord, he is God. Wow, these are amazing promises. It is, thus saith the Lord on behalf of this angel, the long-awaited Messiah, your boy is going to pave the road for that man to come down prophetically. He should have been jumping up and down at the word of God in his life. Miracles are about to happen. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? In the New Living Translation, it actually says, how can I be sure this will happen? Like, prove it to me. I'm an angel. I put fear in you. I know what you've prayed. I mean, like, all these things should have been going through his mind, right? How can I be sure this will happen? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Can anyone think of a time in the Old Testament when there was an old man and an old woman and they had a baby? Abraham, right? Yeah, and Zechariah would have been able to read. He would have understood that story. If anyone had believed God that this was possible, he should have. He should have. Which is why a slight judgment comes upon him from God for not believing. And the angel answered him. You want to know how this is going to happen? I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people waited for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. What is, did he fall dead? Is he dead? Did God strike him dead? What is going on? They're supposed to wait outside until this guy comes out. It should only take a moment to put the incense on the fire. What's happening? And he came out. He was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs. Right? He's trying to use sign language to talk to them. And he remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. He didn't believe God. He didn't trust God. I asked you whenever this started, what was the last thing you heard God tell you? And what have you done with it? I'm encouraged, I want to encourage us today to believe the word of God that comes to us. Whether through scripture or that which he speaks into our hearts by his spirit. But let me tell you, he did believe after he was struck mute. He couldn't speak, he believed. And when he was with his wife and she conceived, for five months she kept herself hidden saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. He really believed when he saw his wife's stomach growing. I can only imagine what that would have been like to see. I don't know how old she was, maybe in her 70s, maybe in her 80s. And you see her walking down the street or perhaps she goes to the market and she has a baby bump. That would be the oddest thing if you really think about that. It seems very special, but whenever you put it in practical terms, you'd be like, what in the world is going on here? It was very special. He did not try to keep the word of God to himself when it came to him. Immediately when he came out of the temple, what was he doing? Sign language. Oh, you know, you know there, there, something has happened here. God has spoken to me. You know, old lady, baby in the tummy. Something's going to happen like this. Clearly his wife knew, right? She's pregnant. He can write though. And I'm sure she can read. So this message of God isn't just hidden somewhere in his heart. He shares it with someone who's very close to him. Someone he can trust with the word of God in his life. He didn't try to walk out the word of God alone for him. He was a doubting priest when he should have been the person who believed the most. It was Gustavo Rodriguez who was here, our brother from Peru. And this is what he said. The enemy of faith is sight. Zechariah had no reason not to believe God other than the practical. In the 1600s, 1700s, there was something called the Enlightenment. It was spectacular. It was so beneficial for humanity. It was in Western Europe. It was trapped in the Dark Ages. But then people began to realize we can observe nature. We don't have to live under superstitions and bondages. But we can observe nature and observe, and from our observations, we can interpret that, those facts and then we can apply it to life. Sir Isaac Newton is an example. He was a believer. You know, I don't have anything in my pocket, but um, he, you know, Man, why is my Bible falling to the ground? Why is this Bible falling to the ground? There must be some force. We'll call it gravity. This is a law in nature which God has put there that you cannot deny. Go jump off of a cliff, gravity will get you every single time. Jump out of a plane, gravity will get you. You will never beat gravity. So the enlightenment brought out the fact that we can, with our God-given mind, determine things that are existent in nature. But it also had a bad effect in one way. It made us, in some instances, slaves to our senses. Where I define the world now by only that which I can determine in myself. 
It has very good applications for Bible study to say, I'm not just going to jump to a conclusion about what this verse says. I'm going to read before it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read after it. I'm going to write down what it says. I'm going to meditate on it and let the Holy Spirit bring it to my life. So I don't, don't jump to some crazy conclusion, come up with heresy or false teaching and bring it to people simply because I felt like it sounded good, right? Or it rhymed, so it must be right. But when I begin to see God only through the lens of my physical senses and my rational thinking, I completely destroy and remove my understanding of the supernatural. That's what makes it supernatural. It's above the natural. What is a miracle? It is that we are moving along the plane of the natural like this, and God intervenes with it, with his spoken word, with his, you know, he spoke into matter and to light. All these things came forth. He spoke and the seas were split. He spoke into your heart and you were born again. He invaded your life if you've given yourself to him. And Zechariah missed that. He could only see with his natural eyes. This man who had the word of God probably hidden in his heart, he forgot that God was above matter and nature. And it doesn't matter your circumstances. So I would ask you today, what has God spoken to you recently? What has he said? I want to deliver you from internet pornography or from drinking or from anger, whatever it is. I want to help you manage your finances. I want to help you when you lay next to your spouse at night, not to look at two opposite walls, but to actually have a loving relationship together. Can we believe him for it? Or are we slaves to our senses that all we can see are all the reasons why it shouldn't happen? Or we're trying to make it work in ourselves or manifest it with our own strength, our own faith. Zechariah missed it. He had the writings of Moses. He had the prophets. He had the songs of wisdom and wisdom of David and Solomon. He was in the temple. But we have the entire New Testament. So who do you think would receive more judgment, him or us? And perhaps we're not struck mute, but perhaps we're not having the miracles of God in our lives when God has spoken, not presumption, not if I can just believe it into existence, not name it, claim it, but when God legitimately speaks something that we can walk as children of light, that we can have love in our hearts, that all things are possible through him. There is greater judgment, I think, when we get to heaven, when God would say, I wanted you to have so much more joy. I wanted you to know the fullness of joy to have me operate in your life. I wanted you to believe me. When Jesus went to his hometown, what could he do there? Not much, right? Why? Because why? Unbelief. He was prevented. He, God himself was stopped because of unbelief. And I've done that so many times in my life. I've made so many mistakes. I'll continue to make mistakes. And when I do, I pray to God, I'll come to you and I'll say, hey, please forgive me. I, I overstepped at that moment or said something I shouldn't have. I didn't believe God for you. But we have the New Testament now. And the angel's not coming to us in the temple. We are the temple. And the Holy of Holies has been, it's gone. The temple's been destroyed. The veil's been ripped in two. We don't enter in once a year. He's in me now. That is mind-blowing. I'm just kind of like, sometimes I'll just get this revelation. I'm like, wait, oh God, you live in me. Wow, how does it even work? You're inside of me right now. Like, what does that mean? I'm just surprised he doesn't explode me to smithereens because I'm such a hot mess sometimes. But that's his blood. That's the power of Jesus' blood. It's a miracle. 
the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit speaks to us directly through His Word, by His Spirit, through others in the body of Christ. And we have wise people around us now that we can bring forth what we think that God is speaking into our lives to test it. Does this sound right? What do you think? Bring it to a few people. I don't want to get to heaven and not have done everything God wanted me to do. I don't want to get to heaven and fall short. And I don't have to, neither do you. But Mary, I'll compress this. He came to her and said, Hey Mary, who's a virgin? Greetings, the Lord's with you. She never asked for this. She never prayed for this. There was no reproach on her life like Elizabeth and Zechariah. She was not old. She's young. She's got a life ahead of her. She has a legal agreement with a man to marry him. And he says, you're going to bear a child. And she says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Her question is legitimate. Her question is legitimate. I've never known a man. I'm a teenage girl. How will this be? I don't have scripture to look back on like Abraham and Sarah. This is new. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God will do it. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is her sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. I believe you. I believe you. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Not only did she believe the impossible for herself, she immediately believed about Elizabeth. Wow. And it was going to cost her everything. It wasn't going to deliver her from reproach. It was going to bring a lifetime of reproach. Don't you remember that Jesus was accused of being a fatherless son? Don't you remember? They said, aren't you basically a son of adultery? God had said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And do you know who said that? Do you know the man's name who said those words? The prophet Zechariah. And the man, the priest named Zechariah, failed to believe, perhaps his namesake, that it's not by might, it's not by your power, But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, nothing will be impossible with God. And when Mary, guess what she did with the word of God? Immediately after that, where did she go? To see Elizabeth. The one person she knew was safe. Because the angel told her, Elizabeth is having a miracle too. And that's your relative. Second, third, fourth, some kind of a cousin. Somehow they're related. So she goes and she doesn't hide the word of God. She brings what happened to her to someone that she knows is safe. And immediately she's met there. Mary doesn't have to say a word. Elizabeth just starts saying, blessed is the, is the mother of my Lord. For immediately when you came, the babe left within my womb. Immediately God confirmed it. This is real, Mary. This is real. It's of God. Here's confirmation. She believed God. So again, what do you believe in God for? What has he said? Reflect on the scriptures. Is it biblical? What you believe God's spoken into your life? Have you even heard God speak to you lately? Have you cleared away the stuff, as it were? 
put the cell phone away for 15 or 20 minutes? Have you opened the word of God and let him talk to you? When's the last time that we read a chapter or maybe even more than just read a chapter when that verse jumped out to us? We said, okay, God, I want to meditate on this verse for a little bit. When was the last time we allowed God to speak to us? The problem was never with the seed that was sown, Jesus said in the parable. The difference was what the kind of soil it was. He performed miracle after miracle. He fed the multitudes twice. And then in a storm, his disciples didn't believe them, believe him. He said, how are you so hard-hearted? Don't you understand? But their ears were dull and their hearts were dull. So perhaps what we need to ask for is, God, give me a heart that receives your word and ears that can hear. I'm the one dull. You're trying to talk to me all the time. I just can't hear for some reason. And you know what he'll do? He'll come in and he'll soften. He'll, he'll clean out your ears spiritually. And if we'll make the room, he'll speak to us. You cannot live with the Holy Spirit and the Bible and be okay alone. One of the greatest lies of Satan is this. You have your personal relationship with God in your own prayer closet and you're good. That is a lie. It goes against all of scripture. We need each other. Desperately, this prayer closet Christianity has to go. And I don't mean prayer closet in the way of you have a prayer closet. That's very biblical. What I mean is this hyper supposed spiritual idea of I'm going to go spend eight hours away. Jesus got away with his father, but then what did he do immediately after? Who was he with? People all day long. Our light is supposed to be a light set on a hill. We are supposed to live before others, and we are not supposed to be alone. We are a body. If you think you're getting words from God and you're okay alone, you're missing out all the fullness of joy you could have when that brother or sister says, hallelujah, God did speak to you. Oh my goodness, God's been showing me the same thing. Absolutely. You know, there's this business idea, and it, it applies to Scripture too. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with a team. If you really want to go far, everywhere Paul went, he was surrounded by a team. How do you think the book of Acts was written? Luke was there all the time. Demas was there for a while. Uh, you know, all these other people, Titus, Timothy, he had this group of people around him. Even Paul, filled miraculously with the Holy Spirit. All of these wonderful things. Do you know what he did? He got stopped several times by the Holy Spirit, trying to go to the main cities. That was his path. That was his method. He'd go to the main city in a region. He'd go and preach there because all the farmers and everybody's coming in there. All the traders are coming in there. He'd find the public square. He'd find where people were. He'd minister because he knew if I could minister in the big city, it'll go out from there. So he's trying to do that. He's trying to do the methods that God has shown him to do, the best way to reach the world for Jesus. And he keeps stopped and stopped and stopped. And finally, God gives him a word. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. But he submitted it to the team he was with. He didn't just go on his own. He opened up to those that God had placed around him. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. We went 
we sought to go and we concluded. That means he opened his mouth and said, guys, y'all, I, I think I know why God keeps stopping us. I had this dream last night. I had this vision. This is what happened. That means they kicked it around. They talked about it. They're like, man, Paul, amen. Okay, well, this is good. We trust you. This, this sounds right. You know, Macedonia needs the gospel too. Let's go do this. But he opened himself up to a team of people around him that God had placed there. There's safety in that. There's safety in that. I have been so confronted by Proverbs. This last scripture, it says, well, first I want to make this comment. You're not less holy. Please listen. You are not less of a Christian. You are not less spiritual. You are not less holy for opening up and asking for advice from other people. Let's dispel that, that where, where we would have this fear of like, oh, if I submit it to you and you don't like it and you say it, well, that might reveal something in me that just doesn't want to hear that it's not from God. And I'm self-convinced and I don't want to let it be tested. It's good to have people in your life who may disagree with you. Not people who are always kind of like, you know, you're a weirdo. I don't believe in that. Don't talk to those people. Talk to the people God's placed around you and the body he's placed you in that are spiritual. It says in Proverbs 24, 3 to 7, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. How? For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool, and the gate he does not open his mouth. I want y'all to believe God. I want to believe God. I want us, if we could, just make room for God. Speak to me. It's been a while, God. I've not been studying the word. I've been reading through it, but not getting much revelation. Help me to slow down. Help me to see your word. Speak to me. Talk to me. Put people around me I can trust. Knowing that I will make mistakes at some point. But I want to hear your word. 10, 15 years ago, I was a security guard. I messed, oh man, I was so messed up. I feel like the next 30 or 40 years, if I preach that whole time, is going to be just me confessing how messed up I've been and how gracious and good God is. And I remember, I believe God told me I was going to go on this mission trip. I was secure about it. Yeah, he told me I'm going to go to Burma on this trip. And it came and it left and the money didn't come in. And I just said to God, I don't want to hear this stuff anymore. I'm so frustrated, God. I feel like I'm hearing your voice and I keep making these mistakes and I can't discern the difference anymore. Help me, God. I don't want to not hear your voice, but I don't trust myself anymore. Because we can all miss it, right? We can all miss it. And for the next year and a half of, or two, three years of my life, there was a lot of quiet. Wasn't a bad thing. God quieted my own voice, if that was what it was, or the enemy trying to bring confusion. But then I really began to hear his voice. He began to teach me how to do it. Told me my wife lived overseas, that I knew her, but that she didn't live in America. Well, that was real. That was God. I know that came to pass, but I opened it up to other people. Hey, this is what's going on. Well, is she pretty? You're going to have to kiss her. Yeah, she is. Well, do y'all have anything in common? You know, what's going on? Wise counsel, practical counsel, you know? Amen. Yes, she is. Hallelujah. Okay. And it was the Lord. But let's stir each other up. Come on, praise team, if we can come up here. I just want to spur us on. We have been given so much, much more than Zechariah. We can believe the Lord to speak to us. 
And when he speaks, if it's the Bible, let's believe him. Let's trust him. We may not know the next step, but let's say yes and amen to God. And then let's go to our brothers and our sisters that we trust. Let's have coffee. Let's open up to them. Let's walk in victory. Let's walk in joy. Let's get to heaven and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I wasn't mad that you asked for wisdom. I wasn't mad that you asked for help. I wasn't mad that you tested it with the scriptures. I'm glad that you walked in faith. I'm glad that my will was done. People were saved because of it. People were healed because of it. You went overseas on a short-term trip or a long-term trip because of it. You glorified me because of it. Because you believed me. Hallelujah. God, help us to believe you. God, if we need you to speak to us and we haven't heard you for a while, I pray if there's any hindrance, you clear it out of the way. Lord, if we have silenced you, if we have become cessationists in our theology, practically speaking, and said God doesn't do that anymore, forgive us. If we've been led astray time and time again, clarify it for us. And if we shut ourselves off from others, surround us by the best kind of people, the people who are imperfect and make mistakes like us, but have a relationship with Jesus, who can help us and let us know the joy of walking in freedom, hearing and obeying you. And let it be said of us that was said of that girl Mary, blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her. Bless your people today, God. We thank you that you are the God who speaks and does not abandon. We love you.